Bam 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 yourself. Welcome back, everybody. This is Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less, we hope. I'm Lisa Linky, your one half of one half plus one half equals one host. The other half of one half plus one half equals one host is Misty Sinnott, and I just made her oh giggle, which is God. always my favorite thing to do. And we are here week in and week out providing you two episodes. One is a full book review on Fridays where we cover the ins, the outs, the ups and downs, the the yays, the nays, the boos, the whoops of every uh, self-help book that we have selected to read just for you. And we give, let you know in under an hour if it's you know worth your time and investment to support the author and buy the book or listen on Audible. Or if it's a flaming pile of dog dew in a, in a paper bag and you've opened the door and don't step on it, don't step on it, get the fire extinguisher. <laughs> but today is not that day. Today is Tuesday and that means it's a weekly <laughs> And what we do on Tuesdays is we follow up from the previous book on Friday, maybe has some like homework check-in and like maybe like an article or like a special guest or like maybe we'll do a thought-provoking question, which I lovingly call Je Provoke. Or maybe like, maybe we'll do some trivia. Who can It's know? like kind of a party, today, not to brag. It's a party and also we cuss, so who can fucking know, dude? <laughs> um, Misty, you have homework from the book we just covered on Friday, How to Be an Anti-Racist. This is a new character that I need you to bring on the Weekly Beast Frequently. Who can fucking know, dude? What do you mean new? Like, this is my high school self. Yeah, okay. okay? Like, we're just, listen, babe. We're just trying to talk about some stuff out, Spicoli, babe. am I right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I asked you to think about racism as a power construct and not a social construct. Yeah, because on the last episode, you so brilliantly and bravely presented certain concepts from the book, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. Let's get real. I stumbled through them. It's a lot to think about. And again, we are trying to just go, hey, we're trying. And we, yeah. we're not always going to be perfect and we're going to try. And here yes. we are. There's a new name for this podcast. Hey, we're trying. <laughs> Welcome to Hey, We're Trying with Missy hey, and Lisa Linky. Yeah. So you asked me to I just, as I'm going around, to start thinking about racism as a power construct instead of just a social construct. And I think that's really helped me. And it's, it's highlighted for me. It's made things a lot more obvious to me. Right. Mm, it's highlighted. Mm, tell me more. Yeah. About that. So it's just highlighted for me. It sounds so simple, but it's like if you're not with us, you're against us. It's that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Because in that book, he just talks about how if you're not anti racist, the opposite of a racist is not not being racist, it's being anti racist, right. actively anti racist. And so looking yeah. at any racist policy or action or a racist joke, et cetera, as a power construct has made me realize like when people say like, oh, come on, I'm just kidding. It's just a joke. Like Lisa, I know you, you mm. engaged in some anti-racism discussions on your next door app when <laughs> one of your neighbors <laughs> oh, made dear. a super uncool, terrible racist joke. But when I was even thinking about that, instead of a social construct, I was just like, oh, that joke is meant to paint people of color as less than and make the one making the joke and like elevate them somehow. And I just was like, even in a, that small of an interaction, I could see how looking at it as a power construct really highlighted for me the effects of that joke, the impact of that joke. So 
now that you've introduced that concept to me or Ibram has introduced that concept to us, I'm never going to unsee it. (laughs) It's really hard to, yeah. And I will say I fell in love with him. uh, We're in love. I fell in love with him watching his (laughs) TED talk shortly after we were all uh, on lockdown for Corona. Mm -hmm. He was answering questions. And, you know, one of the questions from the listeners was, is showing up to protest enough? And something he coined for me, and he may have taken it from somewhere else, is performative allyship, where I feel better because I donate, or I feel better because I post on Nextdoor, or I feel better because I went to a Mm. protest. But did it really change the racist power Mm -hmm, structure? (laughs) And the answer is it didn't. So while I was anti-racist in that moment, to truly be anti-racist for, you know, the majority of our life means tackling that power structure. Yeah, going after policies, calling our senators, our mayors, our city council members. Electing them. Yeah. Electing anti-racists. Thank you. So that was stellar. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, thank, no, thank you for the book. And thank you. I mean, thank you, Lisa Linky, for the book, not Ibram X. Kendi. You know, when I sat down to write this book, I thought, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm going to read one by Ibram oh X. My God. Oh, my God. Misty, what do you have for us okay, today? Okay, so to timestamp this, it is September 21st. In the space-time continuum. Mm-hmm. Do you remember uh, uh, the 21st of September? Uh, oh, uh. I didn't see that coming and it delighted me, honestly. So, Oh, do you not? Go on Twitter. Everything is hashtag do you remember. Do you remember? On, so uh, uh, this episode is our first mini-sode since the election. And we want to give a nod to that because we do not know at the time of this recording what's happened. Or maybe we do know what's going to happen and we're not telling you. Or maybe what we've done is build a time machine and gone back to just live out the rest of our lives in an eternal loop on September 21st. Do you remember <laughs> the 21st of September? Cut to this recording never ends. It's just a live stream for all of eternity. <laughs> what do you think is happening in my brain? Yeah, so thinking about how we might all be feeling after the election. Either way, I wanted to bring in something that maybe would comfort us a little bit. And this is something that I learned about on my virtual meditation retreat that I did back in July. And if you want to hear more about my experience with that, I'll link to that episode in show notes. It was a mini-sode a few weeks ago. And we'll also put a link to the Ibram X. Kendi TED Talk as well in show notes if you want to watch that too. But I learned about something called Kintsugi, and I'll tell you what that is in a second. Nope, I'll just tell you now. It is a more than 400-year-old Japanese art of repairing broken objects with gold. And I'm going to... Oh, that's like the cover of Chanel Miller's Know My Name. Yes. Oh, I didn't realize that until you just said it. Thank you. Shout out to Chanel Miller. Listen, we'll also link to that episode in show notes. Chanel Miller is one of the most eloquent writers I have ever heard, and that book is not to be missed. So this article that I'm going to read about Kintsugi is from medium.com. That will also be in show notes if you want to see a picture of what um, a bowl repaired in the style of Kintsugi looks like. And that's spelled K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I for anybody who's wondering. This is by Andrea Mantovani, and it's from September 19th, 2019. The 400-plus-year-old Japanese art of kintsugi, or golden repair, or kintsukuroi, golden 
Joinery, excuse me if I butchered that, is a pottery repair method that honors the artifact's unique history by emphasizing not hiding the break. According to art historians, Kintsugi came about accidentally. Well, it does fit. When the 15th century shogun Ashikaga Yoshimasa broke his favorite tea bowl, he sent it to China for repairs and was disappointed that it came back stapled together. The metal pins were unsightly, so local craftsmen came up with a solution. They filled the crack with a golden lacquer, making the bowl more unique and valuable. This repair elevated the fallen bowl back to its place as Shogun's favorite and prompted a whole new art form. An art form born from motanai, the feeling of regret when something is wasted, and mushin, the need to accept change. The cracks are seamed with lacquer resin and powdered gold, silver, or platinum, and often reference natural forms like waterfalls, rivers, or landscapes. This method transforms the artifact into something new, making it more rare, beautiful, and storied than the original. Why is this art also important for us as humans? You probably don't expect other people to be perfect. You may, in fact, appreciate when people expose their vulnerabilities, show old wounds, or admit mistakes. It's evidence that we're all fallible, that we heal and grow, that we survive blows to the ego or to our reputations or health and can live to tell the tale. Exposing vulnerabilities by admitting errors creates intimacy and trust in relationships and fosters mutual understanding. Still though, we're often relieved when others are truthful. We're afraid to expose ourselves. We see other people's honesty about their flaws as positive, but we consider admitting our own failures much more problematic. This happens because we understand other people's experiences abstractly but see our own very concretely. We feel the things that happen to us intimately and physically. On the other hand, what happens to others functions more like an instructive tale because the pain of failure isn't our own and the distance gives us perspective. We all understand in theory that bad things can happen, but we also feel really bad when they happen to us and condemn ourselves. Vulnerability is courage in you, but inadequacy in me. That's completely wrong. Like the Kintsugi crafters who repaired the shogun's bowl with gold long ago, imperfections are gifts to be worked with, not shames to be hidden. Turn the ordinary into extraordinary. It's absurd to be embarrassed about missteps and failures in our lives because they happen to everyone and no experience is wasted. Everything you do, good, beautiful, bad, ugly, can serve as a life lesson, even if it's one you would never want to repeat again. Actually, mistakes can be the most important and effective experiences of all and can be shared truthfully with those in need and that would deserve to learn that wisdom. Things may fall apart, that's life. But if you're wise, you can use every scrap, patch yourself up and keep going. That's the essence of resourcefulness, resilience, persistence. It's motanai. Some philosophers would argue it actually is the meaning of life. When we expect everything and everyone to be perfect, including ourselves, we not only discount much of what is beautiful, but we create a cruel world where resources are wasted, people's positive qualities are overlooked in favor of their flaws, and our standards become impossibly limiting, restrictive, and unhealthy. The Kintsugi approach instead makes the most of what already is, highlights the beauty of what we do have, flaws and all, rather than leaving us eternally grasping for more. Different, other, better. In other words, the experiences you have and the person you already are suffice. You may occasionally chip and break and need repairs, and that's fine. But reality is the best and most abundant material on the planet available to anyone, comes for free, 
and we can all use what we already have, including our flaws, to be even more beautiful. After all, our cracks are what give us character and let us shine. So that is a little food for thought on the Japanese art of kintsugi. Lisa, I want to show you what kintsugi looks like real quick so you can see it. One of my friends, one of my oldest friends, his wife's father is like a master or like a doctorate in ancient Japanese pottery. Mm. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Can you see this bowl? It makes it look like it was part of the plan. It does. And truly, like, so the the picture that's at the top of the article is just this, it's a very pretty, like, gray ceramic bowl. It's really lovely to look at, different shades of gray. And you can see how it was shattered and then put back together with the, there's these ribbons of gold lacquer throughout it. And it just makes it so much more interesting than it was before. And I love that so much. And it, it kind of reminds me like when you see a bad boy in the movies and he's got a lot of scars and you're like, oh, he's got stories oh, no. to tell. <laughs> oh, did I just cheapen it? Oops, my bad. I see that you have two free stories left this month on medium.com. So don't waste oh, them. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> so with that, everybody, we're hoping, right. we hope everybody's holding in okay after whatever happened last week. And be gentle with yourself. And... And just fling gold glitter everywhere. That's, gold that's powder. That's takeaway, really. And yell, Kintsugi! Kintsugi! <laughs> Thank you so much. And with that, everybody, life, life is abundant. abundant. Go Help Yourself was produced by Misty Stinnett and Lisa Linky. Our theme song was written by the inimitable Matt Saff. Inimitable. There's nothing we love more than hearing from you. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. We're also at gohelpyourselfpodcast on Instagram and at ghypodcast on Twitter. And you can go old school and check out our website at gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. It basically is a fancy PowerPoint slide. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review because it helps other people find our show. You know who else needs to find it? Your friends. Tell all of your friends. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.